the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. I want to tell you a quick story about me. I was fantastic at soccer. Growing up, one of the best. That led to opportunities for college. But in college, I quickly learned I'm probably not going to be playing soccer professionally for very long. I had a friend that went to Europe because that's where you had to go. He played one game. A coach hated him because he was American and came back and got a job. So I kind of knew that was coming up for me. You, you get in sports, you're like really good on a town level and then you're really good on a county level and then you're really good on a high school county level and then you're really good on a state level and you're really good on a college level. And then you start getting into there's fewer and fewer people around you and it starts to weed itself out. Right. So in college to not steal money or not borrow money from my parents, I would have some odd jobs around my soccer and my my schooling. And one of those odd jobs led me to listening to a lot of radio, of getting a lot of CDs on how to invest, a lot of CDs on how to succeed. I I had no shame. If someone had a a set of CDs on like the Civil War, I'd be like, can I borrow your CDs? Because I'm doing a lot of driving and uh, I sure would like to educate myself while I'm driving. So one of the things you ran into, I think we all ran into this somewhere in our life is someone on radio or television talking about how they got rich and how they have things like the business buy Bible. And you're like, well, that's cute. That's kind of a fun play. It's a lot of bees going on, a lot of alliteration, and it's the brilliant deductions, the blueprints for success book, the Y2K gold rush, how you should benefit. We've all run into this, no? So I ran into it, I think, for the first time right around college. Maybe before college, I saw the two very, very short people, height challenged, vertically challenged people who owned real estate in Hawaii and had beautiful models around them. Even though media kind of portrays really short people as never having beautiful models around them unless they have money. I kind of knew that one had to be fake. Let's say my BS detector went off on that one pretty fast. But there was one commercial. Do you remember this one? A guy named Wade Cook. And he talked about being a cabbie, a taxi driver in the 1970s. And he had something called The Real Estate Money Machine, his first book, 1981. Talked about filing for bankruptcy and um, how cab drivers, you didn't make money by taking one person across the state. You made money by taking 10 people one block instead of one person 10 blocks. And he tried to like translate that into investing in real estate. And it was pretty vile what he was doing because when real estate kind of dried up, because real estate was a thing in the 80s, well, stocks came along in the 90s. And oddly enough, here's Wade Cook 
pitching ideas on how to make uh, stock options and how you make money investing in stocks. He was – I find Anthony Robbins creepy. Before there was sexual harassment claims, before there was – he was singling out women in the crowds. Before any of that hit Anthony Robbins, I always found him creepy. I don't like gurus. For the people who can't afford a guru, let me tell you, they're not that great. Who's going to save your soul if you can't afford one? You. So Wade Cook talks these like ridiculous concepts, and he would buy infomercials on radio stations. And they were like full-on 28-minute, 30-minute kind of thing, productions. And I remember them very clearly. And I remember like, I want to make millions of dollars. I want to be like a cab driver. I, I don't really want to learn enough math and science to be a scientist, computer engineer guy. Too much trigonometry. No, I'll be a cab driver who, who makes money. <laughs> and, I'll, you know, do it on the weekends. And then, like, there's all that make your money work for you. Bear market baloney. Wealth 101. Red light, green light. These are all titles of books by this guy. So he was teaching systems and they were, you know, multi-level like, you know, oh, I'll teach. Oh, you can get the book for free, but to get the computer class, that's an extra $400. And to get the daily updates, it's $4,000. Well, the information's not really that good unless it's daily. So it took some years. It took some years and it took some state attorney generals and the FTC uh, looking into him, looking into his claims, looking into ripoff reports. Oh, and they exist. Um, I bring this up because I think at some point in time we all run across a Wade Cook. He was sentenced to fifty. He was sentenced to eighty-eight months in prison. His wife was sentenced to eighteen months in prison. And the judge had to say things like, "Mr. Cook is in many ways an upstanding citizen, but there is another dark side to Mr. Cook." Um, so the judge had to look at her and go, I see that you participated in your husband's fraud and you lied under oath. I bring it up because we all are going to run across people that we think are smarter than us at one point in time. And it's really important that you, hey, if you want to work with me, that's great. But if you want to walk away learning a thing or two, I think that's even better. Um... But I'm not promising you to get rich. I'm promising you if you put money in the market, you keep it in there a long time, you keep putting it in when it's good and when it's bad, that saving component will be exposed to assets that get better returns than cash over time. And the money that you're moving from cash into a saving component called investments or assets will blossom into something pretty nice. I ain't promising you a million dollars. I'm not promising you 10 million. I don't know what you're working with. You give me 166 bucks a month for 12 months, $2,000 a year times, you know, five years is 10,000. Let's, let's jump it to 10. And now we're talking that money will start working for you. But I bring it up because in college I was susceptible to, I had never heard about Amway and Amway. Well, I had heard about it and I, I didn't want to sell I don't want to sell uh, makeup, but there was things like Amway where you could start selling long distance minutes. 
I know you're saying long distance minutes. Yes, it's a weird thing. AT&T and Verizon and all the baby bells had to they had to open up their their equipment to resellers. And the resellers would come in and be like, Rob Black's telephone service. Um, we're better than AT&T. Even though we were using AT&T's line, we were like, we're better than AT&T. You can get a thousand minutes, bulk minutes, use them however you want. And it was a little business model, but uh, we're all susceptible at some point in time. One of my friends in the CFP world, when I first met him, he was all about private REITs. And private REITs are the worst thing in the world. They're horrible, awful products. And I knew that. But he didn't know that yet. Um, he was buying the BS that they were selling. He was uh, consuming the company line, so to speak. We're all going to run into to frauds. And the best thing I can tell you is the people that make it sound too easy. The people that have books that with funny titles are the ones you probably want to avoid. And I'll just throw out a couple like like the real estate money machine, stock market miracles, bear market baloney, how to pick up foreclosures. Remember that little theme? Real estate for real people. Safety first investing is my favorite, maybe. Find me online at newvocusfinancial.com or Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, I just talked about like be wary of gurus and self-help people in the world of finance. I dropped in there that I find Tony Robbins kind of creepy. I find Robert Kiyosaki not my type. Maybe that's the nicer way of saying it in this day and age. I don't believe in self-help gurus. I don't. I don't believe in you needing to sit in an arena of 18,000 people to be motivated. My first real exposure to Tony Robbins was probably on the TV like yours. My first business one was I had rented a hotel room to give a speech. I was giving a speech and uh, I guess the Tony Robbins people rented a room right next to me. And I think we both started at nine. <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't a good, a good idea. I didn't realize that he used to be playing rock and roll, dun, 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 and everyone's going to be clapping and, and wooting and hollering and waiting for their guru to show up. And then he doesn't show up. He shows up on a video screen. It's like, oh, he doesn't even bother to show up live. And then you learn things like how people walk on hot coals. It's wood that doesn't burn very hot. It burns almost chilly. It's easy to do. Every now and then you see people burn their feet and you're like, wow, you must have really made some effort to do that. So I'm not a big guru kind of person, especially when you see people go from like the, the Wade Cook that I talked about from flipping homes to buying stocks back into homes like it's almost the church of what's working now. Tony Robbins has done that. He's gone from the power of you. He's done cookbooks. 
like you can't possibly motivate yourself to get a good job and then you can't possibly motivate yourself to eat well. You can't possibly motivate yourself to exercise well. And then it gets into now invest. Every time he pushes a product, he makes money. Every time he puts his name on something, he makes money. Because he's kind of that, that Oprah Winfrey, instant credibility almost kind of concept. Interesting news out there today. So that's why I don't like it. Chevron's going to be acquiring Noble Energy. I kind of like that. I kind of like a big boy, a big company, eating a small company when energy's had a really funky year. You kind of want companies to look around and do the same thing you're doing. Rob told me to look around and maybe think about value or maybe think about growth. Whatever my portfolio needs, I'm, I need to look into it, Rob said. I kind of like seeing companies look around and say, we got some money. What can we buy? 100 earnings reports this week. It's earnings season. Lots of high profile and widely held companies in the mix, including IBM. Um, IBM. Is that still relevant? Not really, is it? There's other companies out there that do what IBM does. EDS comes to mind. Dell comes to mind. HP comes to mind. What IBM once was was men in suits. And uh, they had the game one, essentially. IT services. They can sell you the hardware, the software. They could work. They could keep it all working together for you. And some people started doing one or two things better than them. IBM is an iconic company, and I don't want to like downplay them because I think there's there's room in your head for some iconic companies, and you should honor them. IBM in the 1960s was computing. In the 1970s, they were it. Believe it or not, them and uh, um, Xerox. I had to come up with Xerox name. That was a pull. Um, but IBM was so big and I, I think we now have companies like that in our head, right? Like Amazon. How big was IBM? There was a movie called 2001, a space odyssey where I, I I'm not going to ruin too much, but basically a man gets trapped with uh, a smart computer that can talk in space and maybe this computer doesn't want him to live or he's not being terribly helpful. That computer's name was Hal, H-A-L. Cute name, right? Who names their kid Hal? Hal Hobrook? I bet you can't name that many Hal's. Hal Lindens? Let's do the Hal game. Let's not. Hallie Mandel, Hallie Berry? <laughs> that doesn't count. <clears throat> but IBM was so pervasive, and it was such a great investment that in the movie 2001, the, the astronaut Dave talked to Hal. And it ends with like a big monolithic structure with monkeys hitting things, which I instantly thought of the phrase monkey business. Like, why are these monkeys hitting things? Oh, they must be performing business. But how H-A-L, talking to a computer, if you push the letters H-A-L all one letter forward, it's H becomes I, A becomes B, L becomes M, IBM. Some people say, aha, we knew it. It's fear of computing. Keep in mind, like, Dracula was about fear of science. Frankenstein was about the fear of, uh, you know, creating things that we weren't being responsible for. Uh, 
they all had some sort of thing. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was about pharmaceuticals and taking pills to, to cure your tonics and woes. Um, but I digress. Pfizer and BioNTech, ticker symbol BNTX and PFE, said that their COVID vaccine candidate from a German phase one, two study had positive results that suggested it could potentially be administered safely. Hey, not to be left behind, but AstraZeneca said the same thing. Who's going to win the race? I don't know. Do you? I'm not a scientist. Are you? Um, so some people would say bet on a pharmaceutical index or a biotech index. Someone's going to get this, but it's not quite as good, right? But if BioNTech doesn't get the cure and say AstraZeneca does or Moderna does, where does that leave us? Where does that leave that company? Not good. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Anything that you have questions on, you can call. Pick up the phone, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Someone was asking me a question about... A company, and I was like, if you call the show, I can look it up for you. And I've got some great resources. Well, they're like, can you answer it via email? I'm like, no. I used to do that. Um, I used to probably answer about 40 emails a day on stock questions. And I take the time to do it right, which is a little bit frustrating. Someone like a CFP might say, well, I'm not answering that because there's too many questions I don't know about you. So I'll, I'll take that tact and say there's a lot of questions I don't know about you where I could ask some of those on radio. Someone asked me about a company called Berkeley Lights. And I, I tried to tell her, I'm like, can you call the show? Because I don't know your age. <clears throat> I don't know your income. I don't know your time frame. I don't know. Have you ever bought another company in your life? One of the first companies I ever bought was a company called HBO Co. Now, it wasn't HBO who did Sex in the City and it wasn't the company that did Game of Thrones or nope, nope, nope. You would have thought like, hey, that sounds about your generation, Rob. It would have been. Uh, but they weren't publicly traded. There was a company called HBO. Tearson was HBO C. And it was a healthcare company. And I kind of liked the business model because it was, I bought it in my early, late teens, early 20s. I'm not quite sure. It might have been 20. And um, I can remember my first one, right? So someone's asked me about Berkeley Lights. And I'm like, I, I, I can take a look, but you got to be realistic. Like, I need to know a lot of stuff about you. And one of the very first things I see is that they're located in Emeryville, which makes sense because Berkeley's right there. Okay, so they're a California company. We can start there, right? Then we can go into the revenue, and I see $56 million. I go, that's not a lot. And right there, that's, that's already telling me the person's dealing with a little bit of speculation. So my question would be if they're on the phone, are you kind of speculative by nature? Berkeley Lights is located in Emeryville. They do scientific and technical instruments. Uh, they manufacture them. Thus, they sell them. They've got 210 employees, about $57 million in revenue. 
Um, they provide sales leads and sales intelligence on over 120 million companies. Um, when you start pulling the data together, there's not a lot on this company. They haven't been around for a long time. Do you like small companies is a, company, a question I would ask her. And then I would say something along the lines of, do you have some large companies that go with small companies? Do you have some international companies that go with, it, this sounds kind of like US-based. And I would do a little bit more work. But for me to do a real write-up on a company, it's going to take hours, which I'm more than willing to do. And it'd be great radio. And you can kind of see I'm doing a little bit of it live right now as we're kind of looking at it. I see that they just offered 700,000 shares. So IPO. Okay, now we're talking. Um, some people get excited by IPS. Initial public offerings. Company has a great idea. They, they're private. They borrow money from friends and family and, and some, some businesses, maybe a bank or two. And then everyone says, when am I going to get paid back? Now, like when we're bigger, when we're bigger, when we're bigger. And when they finally get bigger, they say, okay, now we're going to go to Wall Street and try to sell this idea to everyone in America. Initial public offering. And um, I'm like, okay, let, let's take a look. So Berkeley Lights is a leader in digital cell biology is when you get kind of into the nitty gritty. They're capturing data. They're interpreting it. A lot of qualitative language of biology. They're translating into single cell specific digital information. I'm lost at this point in time. Um, it's used to research drugs. Okay, maybe it's a COVID play kind of thing. So you start bouncing around with the, the analysis, right? The company serves eight of the top 10 biopharmaceutical companies. Okay, now we're talking. That sounds like a near monopoly of giving data to biotech companies. Eight out of 10? Let's set up a, a monopoly board of 10 spaces, and you own eight of them, and I own two of them. Who's going to win? The current target in markets are cell-based products and antibody therapeutics. Woohoo! Woohoo! We're talking COVID. Antibodies. That sells on well, – there's a lot of sizzle right there. You're telling me they just came public? A lot of sizzle. Um, you don't eat sizzle. There's not a lot of nutrients in sizzle. But, man, it makes a steak great, doesn't it? So same thing with a story. You have to have a sizzle to sell. Revenue grew 81%. It's still a small company. The ability to close deals and implement its platform has been hampered. Um, placements have been lumpy. The company's telling you that, like, they're, they're like, we're doing the, what we can, but we are still small. They are like that. They're honest. Some firms are using their platform for antibody therapies against the coronavirus. That's what we're talking about. Can you see the CEO of this company parading in front of uh, CNBC or Bloomberg? We're working on antibody therapeutics for COVID. We want to save your lives. And they're like, what's your name of your company again? I'm going to write this one down. Berkeley Lights. Um, so it IPO'd, and let's just put it this way. Everyone in the world knows about COVID, I think. And everyone in the world knows about pandemics are bad and antibodies are good. I think. So getting an IPO like Berkeley Light Sticker Symbol BLI out there, probably it's not going to surprise too many on Wall Street. They're not going to go, oh, this might be a nice idea. There, there's so much sizzle there, they're going to be excited. 
And again, I don't want to overplay the sizzle angle because everyone can analyze companies however you want to. I'm talking about them on radio and television. And that doesn't exactly do you any good. Um, but the good thing is it's it's not a light bulb company. <laughs> you hear Berkeley Lights and keep this in mind because, again, I just want to show you how things change. And they do change. A couple of years ago, do you remember the rolling blackouts in California? 2000s. Uh, PG&E problems, buying energy, Enron, bankruptcies, rolling blackouts. How do you do that to a tech industry where every computer that I had ever seen had to be plugged into a wall? And there was a company, and I want to say their name was Berkeley Lights or something. Downtown Berkeley was putting in street lights that were something a little bit different. There was a a sex appeal to them because of the blackouts. There was a sex appeal of well, cities should use LED street lights instead of regular lights because they're cheaper to replace, take less labor, and last longer. And Wall Street's like, that's a good story. Let's buy that stock. Other story stocks right now, and I'm going to get them. That's all I know on Berkeley Lights. I know they're a sexy IPO tied towards uh, COVID and antibody testing. And that's not bad. I'll take that in a bucket of chicken. But you know another area that's got a good story going on it right now? Virgin Galactic. Elon Musk's SpaceX not publicly traded. Amazon's um, Space Ventures Blue Planet or Blue Origin not yet publicly traded. They will be. But there's one company that it's almost funny because you never ever talk about them as Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. But there's another billionaire out there, Richard Branson, who wants to get into space and turn it into more tourism versus saving the planet or getting off the planet or mining the moon or whatever we're going to do. Build Death Stars. I don't know. But Virgin Galactic, their stock has been breaking out. And they've got a great ticker symbol, SPCE. Now, those are the stories of them. You have to then get into the management. I saw that Virgin Galactic, ticker symbol Space, SPCE, just hired um, a former president of Disney's International Theme Parks. And you're like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Isn't the director of these space things supposed to have like an engineering degree and like work in command center? No, no, no. His job is to get people to think of going to space as going to Disney. Space tourism. Space tourism. The last frontier. Who wants to go to Disneyland when you can go to space? Talking about being the talk of the uh, school. Why did you do this? I went to Disneyland. I went to Disney World. I got COVID. I went to space. There is something to be said for that, and I think there's more than enough Americans willing to line up. So there's that story, right? Then I, I like story stocks. They're a great way to like learn and, and to educate yourself, but you got to look at the financials too. It's got to be a two, two-sided coin. Twitter had a high-profile hacking crime or hacking issue. I guess it's a crime, right? And a lot of people had their Twitter accounts hijacked. And my instant response to that wasn't, that's funny. My instant response was security and the story of, right around the same time we're accusing China of doing things like hacking and stealing coronavirus code and Russia's stealing coronavirus code. And like everyone's doing this like hacking, 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 right? But on occasion, like the Twitter story goes out there and it's, it's just a cute little PR story. Hey, Bill Gates was hacked. But then I think FireEye and, and like I, li- I like the story 
of computer security and identity security. But you also got to look at the financials. Sizzle only takes you so far with a steak. It's got to be a good piece of meat. It's got to have good numbers. It's got to have good grading. Same thing with stocks. So if you like Berkeley Lights as an IPO, just tell me that you've looked at the financials and you feel good about them. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome back in Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I remember being fascinated with computer software and investing software. This probably happened right around when I was in 12th or I was going to say 13th grade. I meant to say college, but for some of us, it's 13th grade. Uh, I've got a friend who says he went to college and he went to college probably today. <laughs> so I call it 13th grade, not college. Uh, where does it go? Oh, there used to be software like this, but put your investments in. And you could, you know, say that you bought it at 15 bucks. And then at the end of the month, you can update your checking account and your housing bills and your mortgages. And I was fascinated by financial software. Have you ever been financially fascinated and how much you're worth and not worth? It? I love that. And there was an innocent period you had to hand put in all that data. And there was an innocent period where, hey, I just got a $14 stock that's worth, I bought it at $200 worth of stock and now it's at 250 And you, you would be fascinated by looking at that. But it was software that you had to install on your computer. Now that software exists in apps. And, you know, there's a guy that I really like and I think everyone could benefit from him named Scott Galloway, New York University professor. I don't really like his recent work. He's kind of shifting into kind of a concept of what's the damage we're doing with having phones in our life? What's the damage we're doing with having phones with our kids, of having too much knowledge, of, of having too much exposure, of having too much media, of 24-7, 365 media. So he's getting a little bit into don't forget to live life. I don't like that. When he talks about the brand of Apple, he's a brand professor. When he talks about the brand of Amazon or the brand of Tesla – he gets into some crazy stuff. So if you go to YouTube, Google Scott Galloway, and it's spelled kind of like you would imagine, G-A-L-L-O-W, Gallo, and then away. I think he does a nice job of thinking about investing. I think he does a nice job about showing you ideas on brands. Now, he ultimately probably thinks Amazon and Apple and Microsoft are too big. And he's not afraid to say that out loud. I like it. I can disagree with them if they're too big or not. I don't have to be 100 influenced by my guru. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Talking a lot of gurus. We're talking a lot of big picture stuff today. I don't know if I like that, but it is what it is. Mark Cuban is warning investors of stocks and similarities to 1990.com bubble. I bring him up in large part because he's a billionaire. I think he says some things that are meme-worthy where he can take a very complex idea and make it very simple. This is not his, but everyone's a genius in a bull market. Everybody's making money right now because you've got the Fed put, and that brings people in who otherwise wouldn't participate. There's more people trying to buy than trying to sell. And he says, don't be greedy. Now, what I liked about him in the 1990s is he owned a company called Broadcast.com. And I tell this story enough that you've probably heard of it. 
when I started my business, I worked 20 hour days. And what was cool is I paid for good internet. So I didn't mind being at work because the internet was kind of young and fresh and I could start surfing it. And I started finding radio stations and on radio stations online, you started finding music and you're not music online. You started hearing things that weren't in your own neighborhood. A company called broadcast.com owned by a college kid down in Texas named Mark Cuban. And he was running these servers out of his dorm room. And there's another Texas billionaire out there named Michael Dell who was selling computers out of his dorm room years before buying a computer in a magazine was a thing. Um, smart guys, right? But what I loved about Broadcast.com is they had hundreds of stations. And I was able to like listen to Ottawa Senator, Senators Hockey. I love radio. Have you not figured that out? Sports calls on radio – I used to sit behind a couch on cold winter days and have headphones on and just listen to like hockey play call. And I loved it. So I was fascinated that it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. I'm working. I'm not going home to see my sugar booger. Um, I'm trying to work on the stock market, trying to figure out what I'm going to do the next day. And I'm listening to broadcast.com, Ottawa Senators. And Mark Cuban sells that company to Yahoo becomes a billionaire and you kind of got it. You kind of, this was way before Marissa Meyer at Yahoo. This is when Yahoo was a directory and every website you went to, you started there. Uh, Portals were thought to be the world. They thought Yahoo's and excite.com's, And Microsoft tried to have one with MSN. And there was a period of time where it made sense for Yahoo to go out and buy Broadcast.com. Because if Rob was going to Broadcast.com on his own, something was being missed there. So Mark Cuban sells it to Yahoo. And then guess what he does? He instantly shorts Yahoo. Basically saying if they're that stupid to buy my company for $5.7 billion, I'm just a kid in college. You do set up some servers. Um, in this day and age, we'd call broadcast.com. Hey, is that just a podcast? So he kind of got into what they were doing wrong and he said, let's short this baby. So he, he kind of sold Yahoo crap that was overvalued, and then he said they're going to end up paying for this when it comes crashing down. I, it's worthy of note, right? <laughs> so when Mark Cuban says, be wary of the stock market, I'm not saying Cuban's my go-to investment guru. No. I'm just saying he's meme-worthy, and you kind of know who he is, and just think about it and pass it on. Like You don't have to like dwell on it. Is the market overvalued? Does it have similarities to the 1990s? Just be just be knowledgeable of what's around you. Don't be ignorant. Then you can be ignorant with your decisions later once you're knowledgeable. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.